When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers organization as they look to build a winning roster, uh, whether it's going to be in 2021 or beyond. Uh, I usually like to say the roster's going to go after that seventh Lombardi, but you've got to win games. You've got to make the postseason to get there. And really, the Steelers have got to win some games. Um, you know, of where they're sitting right now, you know, so look, big show today, as always, I'll do my rookie report, uh, that we're doing now in season, uh, really keen to talk about some of the Steelers players there, uh, you know, and, and some of the stallions that they've got here amongst this, this stable of players. We're going to look at who the, the Broncos have in their stable. Um, they've actually got a sneakily, um, in some ways, depending on how much you follow the draft, it might not be so sneaky, but a really interesting draft. Uh, cohort this year and a lot of players that I was really much across. We didn't get necessarily preview all of them on this show, um, but they were guys that I was looking into and considering. So, and particularly on defense uh, in terms of what the Denver Broncos want to do, interesting players that, you know, might not show up so much this year or be showing up so much this year already, but their names to be aware of because that's not no means by no means does that mean they won't make a difference uh, this coming weekend, but also uh, into the future as well. And it, the Steelers have tended to play the Broncos the last couple of years now. So, you know, it, it's one to watch. And I think this team is really tooling up. So even if we're not going to play them, you know, in, in next year's, you know, season schedule, they could be a team you come across in the playoffs. Uh, but they're in a really interesting, in, in a really interesting mix now in the AFC West with, the Raiders, who we've already seen this season, have developed a bit more. You know, is this going to be the car's last season, depending on how well he can go down the stretch? Um, and equally, you know, on the flip side, you've got the Chargers that are just going from strength to strength. And, you know, the Chiefs are always going to be in the mix with, with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but, you know, going into the Steelers against the Packers, you know, that's a great place to start when we talk about our rookies. Okay, this let's, you know, cut to the chase. The Steelers lost 27-17. You know, just as much Joe Hayden was on side, just as much as Jesse James caught that ball. Um, so I don't know if Carl Schofield's listening to this one, but uh, I'm sure he'd really appreciate that. But hashtag pay Carl. But from that perspective, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, that made it hard for the Steelers to come back. We saw Ben miss some throws. 
I was pretty judgmental about Ben after the game, uh, you know, BTC Slack channel. I don't move away from that. I realize there's, you know, we're not going to be going with a different quarterback this season. So it is what it is. But having said that, uh, having listened to his recent press comments in the last 24 hours, I do think the hip injury has come into play for him um, more than what some people might realize. He's got the peck part. He's older. He's copying those hits. If we want to win down the stretch, the O-line just has to protect him better. And that's that's a stat that doesn't really completely show up on tape. Um, he was obviously sacked twice, uh, you know, against the Packers. There he, you know, and, you know, he still he threw 26 from, you know, 40 um, attempts. So, you know, he was almost at 70% there. But we're, we're here to talk about rookies uh, in this rookie report. So I think no, no guesses in that. Najee Harris with 15 attempts uh, for 62 yards, uh, a touchdown, a long run of 11, that hurdle. I was literally, as he geared up, I was saying to my, uh, you know, to, to my fiance, I was like, oh, hurdle, hurdle, hurdle. And then he hurdled it. So it was great. Uh, he had seven targets for six receptions. So nearly only dropped one there. I uh, had the missed target um, for 29 yards, uh, a long of nine. He was trying to do a lot behind the, the scrimmage line, almost broke the, uh, 100 mark, needless to say, you know, from that perspective, 100 scrimmage yards. But the disappointing part of rookie the rookies' performances from rushing receiving, because Najee Harris is a stallion. I mean, you know, we're looking at this stable, you know, of Steelers rookies. He's 100% a stallion. And so is so is Pat Freemuth. How did Pat Freemuth only get targeted once? I mean, Gentry got targeted once. And, you know, very similar um plays if i'm not mistaken i haven't had a chance to go back and watch the tape but you know they both caught a, t- a target each uh gentry for 10 yards pat freemuth for 11 yards um there but you just got to think how how are they working pat freemuth in ben's not using these tight ends maybe it's things aren't opening up maybe he's not getting time maybe it's a good thing maybe he's not having to go to them as his safety blanket but you can't help but think that one target to Pat Freemuth is not enough. One target, um, you know, from that perspective. Now, yes, Ben had 40 attempts, but one target to Pat Freemuth, you know, James Washington, Deontay Johnson had 13 targets. Juju had eight targets with only two receptions. You know, obviously Ben missed a couple throws to him. You know, Ray Ray had one target. Benny Snell had one target. You know, find Benny out of the backfield. Ebron had two targets. Pat needs to be getting the ball more. He needs to be getting the ball more. Um, you know, and that's not on him. That's on the rest of the offense. So that's one thing I would say is that if we're going to get more from, from our rookie playmakers on offense, Pat Freeman is the guy that needs to be getting, getting a bit more ball. On the defensive side of the football, I think it was, it was, a, it was a tough day to watch, to be honest. It was a really tough day to watch um, from that perspective. So when I look at it, Isaiah Loudermilk, um, you know, he had one pass defense. He didn't really do much else there. I don't think he played a lot of snaps, um, you know, in, in the game there, uh, you know, from a, from a defensive player point of view as well. I mean, Eric Stokes uh, showed up. We talked about him last week on the show. He showed up for the Packers, um, you know, and, and that made it difficult, uh, you know, for the Steelers at different times. But, I mean, it was still a really interesting part when I look at look at the players, um, you know, that were playing for the Steelers, you know, Kendrick Green, um, you know, 
I thought he played a bit better, but, you know, it's this O-line still got a gel. Dan Moore looks to be watching and waiting, you know, when he's getting the pass rush. Uh, you know, and that's something that, again, it's going to need work. We want to see him on the front foot. We want to see him driving guys back, and, and that's not necessarily happening yet. Uh, you know, so that that's something that really needs to be worked on uh, from that perspective. But, you know, apart from that, you know, you look at, as I say, you look at the snap counts, Kendrick Green 100%, uh, you know, Dan Moore 100%, um, you know, from the rookies there, Najee 80%, Pat Freeman 50%. And that's what I'm saying. Like one reception for him just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, Cody White had 3%. You know, from the let's say from the rookies, we didn't really. This wasn't a game where they really, you know, showed up so much. Um, you know, Presley Harvin, you know, he had six, um, you know, six players on special teams. Uh, you know, there with his punts, like it's just when you talk about a rookie from the rookies' perspective this week, it's, there's not you know tremendous amount to really be able to cover, other than to say that you know. Najee Harris had a tough day at the office. I think there's still so much being expected of him. We've got to lighten his load somehow. Uh, and and honestly, in watching them play and where they're using him, I think they're really, strangely enough, really missing the rookie from last year in Anthony McFarlane Jr. So that's going to be interesting to see how they can really, you know, work him back in and be able to spell Najee. I know they're different types of backs, but I, I just can't really see how they're going to use Kalen Balage or, or, you know, Benny Snell better. I mean, Benny Snell, you know, he, for me, he's got to go. Uh, I just don't, I just don't see this. And then, sorry, I should have said, um, you know, Derek Tutska uh, played eight snaps for 11% there. So, you know, you're seeing a bit more out of him. Obviously he's a depth piece there, having them having let go of Jimmy Jones to the practice squad. And obviously Quincy Roche, um, you know, earlier on, you know, actually the end of the preseason. But, you know, that's sort of, sort of where it's sitting, uh, you know, from the rookies from last week's performance. Um, yeah, I, I just think we need to see more out of the O-line guys. They, you know, they need to continue to gel. And then also we need to we need to find ways to make it easier on, uh, on, on Najee Harris. And, you know, I, I think with Presley Harvin, you know, he had an interesting punting job this week where the Steelers couldn't do things um, within, the, within the Green Bay half. Well, let's look forward to the to the Denver rookies. Uh, let's look forward to this weekend. And, you know, I, I think it's important just to sort of discuss quickly, you know, Denver right now um, is ranked 21st of points uh, for 17th in yardage. Uh, in terms of touchdowns, they're ranked 19th. Um, you know, completions, at, um, sorry, yards, they're ranked 21st in, in passing, rushing, uh, they're ranked 10th in attempts, 11th for yards, 14th for touchdowns, yards per attempt, 12th. Uh, their average drive is uh, three minutes and 15 seconds uh, with 33 yards, almost two points, whilst their defense, and they're known for their defenses, allowing, you know, um, to only 2.27, or sorry, two minutes and 27 seconds per drive, 5.6 plays, 25 yards, and on, on just over a point just a tick over a point, uh, you know, per drive. If you look at some of their players, though, you know, and this is where it gets pretty interesting, you know, from, from this perspective is, you know, they've got, 
They drafted a really interesting set of people, right? They are they drafted Quinn Miners in the third round. Um, you know, who the Steelers were rumored to be looking at if they were going to wait that long. And, you know, they chose um, Kendrick Green over, over him in, in that respect, which, which is interesting um, in itself. I think it shows you, you know, where we were sort of leaning to. It shows you what the, what the valuation was uh, from their perspective on, on who was going to make a, a, a bigger difference uh, there. You know, they were picked almost, I think it's 10 spots um, apart from each other. So, you know, that sort of shows where that's sitting there, 87th versus 98th. Um, you know, you know, their apologies. Uh, I just lost my lost my spot. Uh, yeah, so they've, they've looked at it from, from that. I think then you look at the the secondary players that, that, that they've got as well. Um, you know, they drafted Patrick Satane in the in the first in the first round. You know, that was a that was a very high pick. Uh, very, very high pick, you know, for a player like him, um, you know, a difference maker and not too high for him, but it was just a, a player like him. I mean, a cornerback, you picked ninth overall, obviously, JC Horn went in at eighth. You started to see those guys come off the board, but, you know, he's 202 pounds, six foot two, you know, uh, the classic top quality quarterback at 21 years old out of Alabama. I mean, that was a smart pick. Uh, from them, and, and you've seen him already start to make plays, and we'll go into him in a second uh, there as well. You know, they picked Aaron, they had Aaron Patrick undrafted out of Eastern Kentucky um, as defensive end. They had Andre Mintz uh, there out of Vanderbilt undrafted. They had Cade Stearns out of my Texas Longhorns, Caden Stearns. I was really hopeful that the Steelers could look at him um, as a safety there. He's 207 pounds, six foot one. So we'll have a look, a little look at him. Uh, they had Justin Sternard out of Wake Forest, linebacker, um, the fifth round. They had Jamar Johnson, who was, I'm pretty sure we did end up covering him um, in War Room. He was definitely one of the players that was on my list to cover off from Indiana. I think we did in the second week. Um, we did draft picks. Uh, you know, and he went in the fifth round as well, but he's someone that could show them huge value in the next few years. Um, they had Carrie Vincent Jr. out of LSU in the seventh round. He's someone that I think suffered um, toward the back end of the season. If I'm not mistaken, he might have sat out a few games as well due to COVID. And, um, you know, he's someone that could come on for them in the next couple of years. Then they had uh, running back undrafted out of Missouri, Demaria Crockett, um, as well. Javante Williams, who could have been a, could have been the pick there. A lot of people were thinking he might be the pick, um, you know, for the Steelers instead of a Najee Harris, if Najee Harris was off the board, or even then, would they still go with Javante Williams if they went O-line in round one? Could they trade up and get Javante earlier in the second? That was, that was a key consideration. Uh, they got Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State. Um, you know, Baron Browning at linebacker as well out of Ohio State. He was a pretty high pick for them in the third round, 105th pick. He was someone uh, that I know was on some people's radars for the Steelers. Uh, you know, and they've got Jonas Griffith, who's on IR, who was undrafted. Well, let's kick it off by looking at uh, Patrick Satain, uh, the second uh, major player for him. But we're going to do that right after the break.
We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host that looks at how the Steelers are building a winning roster. It looks at the rookies in season. It looks at draft plans. It looks at prospects, really to try and give you an idea of what Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, and Omar Khan, the Steelers franchise, and the front office might be looking at for the season. Uh, so let's kick it. As I said before the break, we're going to kick it off with uh, the Denver rookies for part two. And let's look at their first round pick, uh, Patrick Sertain, the second. Uh, you know, he wears number two. He's played in four games um, of the season so far. He started in three of them. Uh, he has had one interception. He's only allowed a completion percentage of 60%. So that's 15 completions on 25 targets for 178 yards. Uh, so yards per completion is 11.9. He's allowed one TD and he's only allowed a quarterback rating of 78.4. That's about the quarterback rating that Big Ben's throwing out at the moment. So if Big Ben throws his way, uh, you know, he's not going to expect to probably get much better than that at this rate. Uh, he's only missed one tackle out of the 15 uh, combined tackles that he's gone for, uh, you know, in most of his yards, uh, air yards, not yards after the catch. So he's a bit more of a sure tackler. That's that six foot two, um, 202 pounds sort of piece there. You, you'd kind of expect that from him. Um, you know, he's absolutely start of a start of a cornerback. Going to continue to play that way. He's played, um, he played a quarter of the snaps in week one for them. He played 100% against Jacksonville, 93% against the New York Jets. And then he played 86% against Baltimore last week. So you can expect he's going to play 75% plus, and that's going to create a headache for the Steelers this week. Look out for Patrick Sertain the second, uh, you know, and it'll be interesting to see who he marks up against as well, particularly if, you know, a, a Claypool might be back on the back in the game this week. The next guy I wanted to look at uh, here was Quinn Miners, who we talked about there. Um, there's some funny memes of him liking to play with his gut out uh, in, in training. Um, so, so he's quite a funny one there. He's played a couple of weeks. He played in week three, week four. So he set up the first part of the season, 37% of the offensive snaps in, uh, in week three, 100% last week, so at 61 snaps, uh, you know, so he's played two games. He started one. He's played a little bit on special teams, but he's only played like one snap all season. Uh, in terms of penalties, offensive line penalties, he's had one false start. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to judge him against a Kendrick Green because if you look at Kendrick Green, you know, Kendrick Green has played every game. Uh, you know, Kendrick Green's had a lot more pressure thrown on him early. It's been a lot more obvious. Um, you know, Kendrick Green is playing in a newer line as well, um, which I think creates an, an additional challenge uh, versus what Quinn Miners is really having to deal with at the moment. Um, so I think that that's, that's worth considering uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of when we evaluate the two or compare the two, you know, uh, against each other, because it's very different from being, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, a new O-line, a rookie, Third round rookie, you know, nothing to say that third round rookies can't make it, but it's just it's a different ball game to versus what Denver, you know, Denver's really doing there. Um, but if you look at the penalties too, 
uh, you know, for Kendrick Green. He's only had one, two, uh, and that was a holding penalty, which, I mean, a false start would suggest he's off the count. So I'm kind of happy with that from that perspective. Um, but, yeah, look for Quinn Miners. It's very likely that he'll play, a, you know, a strong role uh, in in this week's game, uh, particularly if there's an injury on that O-line for them. But, um, you know, and he's 320 pounds, so he can probably play anywhere in that interior from a size perspective. The next guy I want to cover off was uh, Aaron Patrick, defensive end, six foot four, two hundred and forty-five pounds. Uh, you know they play a presumed Denver play a four-three, and he's more of that. Um, you know the edge rusher in that four-three. You know different to what Steelers play. He's had, literally had one tackle in the season. He's played four percent of the snaps um, against Baltimore. Whether you see him have more time, it'll be interesting. Uh, he played us play on special teams, so he's played forty percent of them. So he might be a guy to look out for uh, from that perspective. Uh, when it comes to special teams, he wears number 94. Then you've got Andre Mintz, uh, again, undrafted uh, to the Denver Broncos, six foot three outside linebacker, 249 pounds there. He's played in three games, week one, week, week one two, and three. Uh, he's sort of had his most percentage of snaps in week one, where he played 26%, uh, 4% in week two, 13% in week three. You know, he's really had a couple of tackles on the season. That's about it. No tackles for loss, no fumbles, no quarterback hits. I don't expect that we're going to see huge um, production out of him. He's literally blitzed twice for them um, on the season so far. But at number at position number forty-eight, uh, you know, you might see something from them this week, but it's likely going to be special teams. Then you get to Caden Stearns, my guy out of uh, Texas, drafted uh, for them in the in the fifth round, one hundred and fifty-second overall. He's played in all four games. Uh, he's played in almost a quarter of all um, the snaps. Uh, so he only played on special teams week one, then he played a quarter of the snaps in week two and week three, and then he played only 10% of the snaps last week. Uh, he's got about five tackles on the season, one interception for 46 yards um, return and one pass defense. You could see him in some different schemes this week. Uh, I would definitely think they might look at Caden Stearns with what Steel- the Steelers are doing. Maybe he marks up against one of the tight ends. Uh, you know, maybe he's coming down in the box as well. He can tackle. It's interesting with Caden Stearns because at 207 pounds, I and the way this the way that Texas played him, I expect him to be more of a strong safety type and that he'd get bigger. But I think they're moving him more to that free safety position. But that's also interesting when you look at uh, his combine measurements because he had a 441 40 yard, which isn't slow by any means. But I think you know it would have helped him a bit more. Uh, you know, from a weight perspective, if he was playing at 210 and he ran that number um, or two two fifteen even. Uh, you know, from what he, some of his skill set is, because I do like his tackling uh, and do like his hip power, but he ran that at a 210 pound, 202 pound weight. So interesting with Caden Stearns there, he's played almost half their special team snaps. So he's someone you're going to see around the field, um, but he might also, he's capable of making splash plays. So just because he's not playing a ton of snaps doesn't mean you're not going to see a lot from him uh, in, in that respect. The next guy is Justin Stenard, taken in the fifth round as well. Pick 178 out of Wake Forest. He's a linebacker, 238 pounds. And obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Baron Brown in a, in a minute there. Um, you know, he's played in four of the all four games, 68% of the special team snaps in week one, 56% in week two, 4% in week three, uh, and 23% last week against Baltimore. Uh, he plays 
He's also increased his defensive snaps on the season, not just special teams. So he played no defensive snaps in week one. Uh, he played 41% in week two, 76% in week three, and 81% uh, there in, in week four. So you're starting to see him build up. Uh, you know, his best game in terms of tackles came in, in week two where he had seven combined uh, tackles there. He's had no tackles for a loss on the season, no quarterback hits, uh, no sacks. So... That's an interesting perspective from him. Uh, but And in terms of the pass coverage, he's allowed a completion rate of only 55.6%. So that's interesting for the, the middle game in terms of passing there, like middle and short passing game. He has missed 12.5% of his tackles, which for me is all really high from like someone that's covering that inside linebacker position. He has only allowed a quarterback rating of 632 Um He's not allowing a lot of air yards, air yards on completions, which shows obviously he's playing that short intermediate um, intermediate passing game. But he's allowing a lot of yak yardage. So I'd love to see them throw some short stuff over the middle to Najee Harris and see um, see him have to deal with that or Pat Freemuth or Eric Ebron, but particularly I think Pat Freemuth there and, and trying to get him to fend. Can they put Claypool in there if he's injured to do a little bit of um, some stuff on some slant routes or some, some curl routes and what have you? Uh, you know, and he's played on 36% of the special team snaps uh, on the season so far as well. So, yeah, interesting to watch him play. Uh, this 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 game uh, against the Steelers in uh, position number 40. Then you get to Jamar Johnson, taking the fifth round as well, 164th overall. I mean, th- this could be a really great a record, you know, breaking fifth round for the Denver Broncos. He runs a 4.58 40-yard. Uh, he's yet to play on the season. Uh, so that that could be really, really interesting in terms of do we see something from him so far? I hadn't seen that he was on an injury report um, either. So, you know, whether we can see something from him, I'm not sure. But I did think he was someone that was really – I think he had a tough, tough – uh, pre-draft in the last few months, sort of, it's not really scheduled, but, you know, um, a tr- tough draft po- process, I would say. But I think he's someone that, you know, out of Indiana, they, they were doing really well as a safety tandem, him and his partner out of there. I'm having a mental blank on who that was. So, um, you know, I, I would look to see, you know, if he makes makes a play um, in this game, if he can start for them or start if he can play, play in the game. But even if that starts on special teams, but all I'm saying is if he is active for this game, uh, look out because, you know, he's someone that could produce something and, you know, he just might surprise you. The next guy on the list is uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. I think he's actually on their practice squad, uh, but he's a seventh-round draft pick as well out of LSU, not played on the season, um, you know, so not too much to cover there except for the fact that he's known. A lot of people would know him from that uh, from LSU as well. Again, he's another player that I think you would have thought would have been a bit higher, um, you know, in that draft process. I think he had some injuries, if I'm not mistaken, as well that led into that. Uh, so, you know, Again, he's someone just to keep an eye out for. I don't think it's for this game, but as the Denver Broncos develop. And then the next player we've got on our list is Demario Crockett, the running back, five foot 11, uh, 225 pounds. So he's a big, you know, more power back style player. He's literally had four offensive snaps on the season. Otherwise, he's played plus 60% of the special team snaps. Um, so I think it's more in that gunner role for him. Uh, so there, again, from position number 28 for the Broncos, you're looking really to see what he might do on special teams um, and chasing down big punts. 
Javante Williams, big player, uh, you know, that the that the Steelers were supposedly in the mix for, you know, he's played in all the games um, so far this season for the Broncos in their four games. He's had a hundred percent catch percentage rate from receiving uh, for three of those games, 75% where he caught three passes off four targets, um, you know, on the season as well. He's played in a minimum of 40%, but mostly 50% of all the offensive snaps this season for them. He doesn't really play on special teams. He's only had one snap in game one. Uh, He rushed 14 times for 45 yards in game two, 13 times for 64 yards, game three, 12 times for 29 yards, Uh, and game four, seven times against Baltimore, seven times for 48 yards. Uh, He's had one TD um, as well. He's had no TDs in terms of the, the passing game. Uh, but, you know, he's backing up there or playing, you know, a running back room tandem with Melvin Gordon. Uh, so I think they're pretty decent numbers, really, when you look at it um, there. And it shows more what their O-line's doing, you know, for that rookie. But they're decent numbers there when you're sharing the load with another, you know, what were you? He's, I think it's pretty fair to say that Melvin Gordon's a top 12, maybe 15, if you want to you want to be critical, uh, running back in this league. So, you know, to have Javante to have these numbers is, is a good thing for him. And it shows that what they do in the intermediate, in the short passing game and, and in the run game as well. And then you look at uh, Jonathan Cooper here. He's played in all four games, predominantly in special teams. You know, he's an outside linebacker, 254 pounds, six foot three, taking him the seventh round um, out of Ohio State there. You know, he's played, say, minimum 60% on special teams. Uh, he's played 74% of those in, uh, snaps in uh, week three, 97% in week four. He plays about you know, a quarter to a third of the defensive snaps. He's only had one tackle on the season. So again, you know, he's a rookie that, you know, you're probably looking for in the future in terms of promise. Number 53 for the Denver Broncos. You know, and I'd say it's special teams is probably where he's going to, you know, deliver the most amount of return if you're a Denver Broncos fan. Then we get to uh, get to Baron Browning there out of, out of Ohio State. Uh, you know, and, and Baron Browning, was their third round pick, 105th overall, uh, six foot three, 240 pounds. Played in three games uh, so far this season. Uh, 21% of the special team snaps in week one, 40% in week two, 40% or 39% in week three. He's only played 7% of defensive snaps. He played four in, uh, in week three there. So when it comes to Baron Browning, you know, it's interesting to see with him. Like I, I thought they would have used him a bit more by now. Um, maybe week four is the week that he, or the week five is the week that he breaks out a bit more um, and, and does a bit more on the season. But, you know, he, he obviously was on the, he was on the pup list going into the season. I think they've given him a slow start. He has got a fairly slow 40 yard time um, of four, five, eight. And, and I say slow because you're starting to see some really fast guys at the linebacker position um, from that perspective. So, I mean, it's fast, but it's, it, it's slow compared to some of the top tier guys, uh, but he's a, a bigger guy at six foot three, 240 pounds. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, I would expect a guy of his quality. I'd expect to see more from him this week against the Steelers than what he's done in, in the game so far uh, from that perspective. But look, 
that wraps up the rookie report for this week. I know it's quite extensive. Uh, that's because there's a lot of rookies there from the Denver Broncos side of things. Uh, so I think this team, these rookies are more, you're going to see more out of them in the, in the years to come. Uh, but there are some guys to watch out there, you know, particularly around Javante Williams, Patrick Satane, you know, Kunjamar Johnson do something, um, you know, and what have you. So, you know, you're interested to see what they can do this week, but hopefully the Steelers can nullify um, any impact that these rookies provide, whether they do, you know, make splash plays, whether they do make big gains in the, in the running game or what have you. So before we finish up more room for this week, I just wanted to cover off, you know, obviously the big discussion is about, uh, you know, the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, what are we going to do next week? Pro Football Network have put out their list of all 130 quarterbacks and ranked them in order. And I think there are some few surprises there. So I thought I'd quickly run through the list. Um, you know, I still uh, five, you know, weeks in, uh, you know, six, I think for some college teams in, I don't really want to go into the stats too much for college guys yet, but um, I thought I'd go through these quarterbacks and just get you thinking about who, might be in the mix because I think it's pretty clear the Steelers need to go on O lineman in uh in round round one and whether then um uh, they're in the mix for one of the the second tier or the second round quarterbacks is is that the case. Uh so I'm gonna skip 90 positions and we're gonna go to the top 40. Uh we have top 40 hits here in Australia and I don't know whether that's the case in the US. I think you know the top 30 or top 40 countdown or something like that. Um I'm sure we got it you know from you guys or the UK. But uh, Ben Bryant, Eastern Michigan, uh, he's ranked number 40. Since week three, he's completed 65.8% of his passes for 1,000 yards. He's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt and has thrown six touchdowns to just one interception. He's fared much better than Preston Hutchinson, uh, who was number 67 on the preseason list. Number 39 is Chase Bryce out of Appalachian State. Uh, his preseason ranking was 90th. Uh, he's made up a step. He's made a step up due to the competition uh, that he's been facing uh, after playing with a cast of future NFL stars when he did relief duty at Clemson for two two seasons and after an awful transfer to Duke. Um, you know he's completed 104 out of 153 pass yards for 1360 yards. Sorry, 104 out of 153 passes for 1360 yards through five games. And they're at four and one while connecting with a multitude of receivers. I would say with him, though, he benefits from having a lot of super seniors um, as his receivers. And I covered that a few weeks back when I talked about the impact of super seniors on next year's NFL draft. The next guy in Utah State was another one with super seniors, uh, Logan Bonner. Um, He was Jetson from Arkansas State. Uh, he's thrown for 1,235 yards, completing 58% of his throws. He's hit on nine touchdown passes and looked terrific while doing so. Um, you know, and then also he's had to deal with uh, Andrew Peasley being worked in at quarterback in each game of the season. Um, you know, so there's a bit of a 2B quarterback situation that's happened at times, but he's doing well while sharing the load. The next guy is Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, um, you know, out of BYU there. Um, so he's replaced Zach Wilson, which is going to be hard. Uh, but, you know, they're sitting at 5-0 and with three wins to his credit. Um, you know, and Baylor Romney, you know, is is the backup quarterback, um, you know, in that space, in the place of uh, Jaron Hall, you know, 
Romney defeated US, USF and Utah State in week four and five, respectively. They're very different quarterbacks, um, but BYU sits number 10 in the country between them. Uh, Hall is thrown for 561 yards, adding value with his legs. Romney is thrown for 495 yards, making BYU receivers deep threats by averaging 11 yards per attempt. Um, you know, and two quarterback systems can be real struggling in the quarter in the college game. Uh, but they're saying that this one could work. So that we should see how that cracks on for both and through the season. Next guy is Christian Anderson, number 36 out of Army. Um, you know, and so the Black Knights are like four and one. They dropped their first contents in week five when he was out. He's run for 431 yards on 58 carries. Um, you know, so you're seeing a bit more running game out of there. Um but he's offered much more as a passer, um, but he's actually really run a lot of the time because he's been able to. Then there's Michael Pratt out of Tulane. Um, you know, Tulane looked Oklahoma, as, as this article says, dead in the eyes in week one and nearly came out victorious. Spencer Rattler had a horrific game then. I think they were calling for his benching after that, um, you know, over there from the Sooners. Um He's thrown for 150 yards, 11 touchdowns while rushing for the second most yards on the team. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of other make playmakers on their offense, so he's really elevating the team. You've got Cade McNamara out of Michigan. He's moved up almost 70 spots on, on Pro Football Network's uh, preseason rankings. He's looked terrific for Michigan, according to Pro Football Network. Uh, he's completed more than 10 passes in every, in almost every game except for one. Uh, he's averaging 8.9 yards per attempt and has thrown five touchdowns with no interceptions. Uh, so he's doing well there. Henry Columbi out of Texas Tech, uh, you know, he's a bit more of a projection, but the thought is here that he's a tailor-made quarterback for them. Um, you know, they had Tyler Show um, as the quarterback um, number one in the preseason, uh, but He's had he's had a real struggle at Texas Tech. Um, and Columbine into the game against Texas in an unwinnable situation. I was watching that game, and yeah, it was definitely unwinnable. We were we were looking really good, us Texas Longhorns. Um, you know, but, but Henry Columbine, you know, orchestrated a win against West Virginia in week five and has thrown for nearly as many yards as Tyler Show on uh 40 fewer throws. He's averaging 10.3 yards per attempt and completing 70%. Skylar Thompson out of Kansas State, he's at number 32. He's a gifted runner. Um, he leads the team with 560 yards and a 69.5% completion um, percentage there. And he actually kind of outplayed Spencer Rattler when they played um, Oklahoma. He's a gifted runner too. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, how he continues. You've got Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA. He's had a miraculous start to the season. Um, he's proved he can throw a long ball. He's averaging nine and a half yards per attempt while tossing 10 touchdowns to one interception. He's got some awesome targets in the running back in the tight end room. So again, you should see if he can continue uh, continue to do this. But, you know, I know that he's finding some holes with play action passes. You see that on highlights. Um, Levi Lewis out of Louisiana is ranked number 30. Uh, he's moved 10 spots up in from his preseason ranking. He's thrown for 1,906 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, scored a rushing TD and 122 yards on the ground. Um, and as a team, his team have only committed four turnovers on the season, so that's good for him. Um, you know, Tulia, Tungavailoa, Maryland, uh, he's moved up 43 spots um, here to 29. He's thrown for 1,497 yards and completed 72.2% of his passes. Um, you know, 
he threw five interceptions against Iowa. But if you push that out, uh, he had one pick prior. Um, he's probably hoping that he can, you know, bounce back from that. Grant Wells out of Marshall, he's dropped eight spots to 28. So we've had a lot of guys so far in this top 40 that have moved up. Um, this guy's like actually dropped back here. So when you look at uh, when you look at Grant Wells from that perspective, um, he's an incredibly accurate quarterback. You know, he's got some elite traits in that respect, good arm strength and trusts his arm. Um, you know, but that actually led him to a backslide last year. Um, he's putting up impressive numbers, even though it's not perfect. He's thrown for 1,700 yards, six touchdowns, completed 64.5% of his throws, uh, and thrown for 300-plus in four outings. Uh, then you got Peyton Thorne out of Michigan State, uh, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's completed 82 of 130 passes for 1,236 yards. Uh, you've got Davis Brin out of Tulsa. Um, he's a good tough pocket pastor with an underrated arm uh, thrown for 1,467 yards, six TDs, eight and a half yards per attempt through five games. Uh, so we should see if he can continue his run. I think he could rock it up boards if that's the case. Dustin Crum out of Kent state, they're two and three, um, you know, and he's thrown for 881 yards rushed for 211 and two scores, you know, they're saying that he could be an elite Mac quarterback. Um, I think he'll continue to slide down their ratings like he has, um, you know, ten, almost 10 spots. Um, Siobhan Cadario out of Hawaii, he's moved up uh, 25 spots. Um, you know, he's thrown for over 300 yards on two occasions. He's hit 200 in at least in every other game. He's thrown for 14, 10 on 101 out of 185 throws. Um, and he's rushed for 195 yards on 59 carries. Um, Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. He's someone that, you know, some people are saying could be a third rounder. Um, you know, he's doing pretty well, uh, you know, doing Lamar Jackson style things with 10 rushing touchdowns. He's also thrown for 1,307 yards and another seven touchdowns. Um, and he's only throwing um, two interceptions for these seven TDs. Sam Hartman out of Wake Forest, not Jeff's son. Uh, he's a terrific middle of the field thrower, throwing 11 TDs to two interceptions, averaging eight and a half yards per attempt. Um, and he's throwing for 1,285 yards in total. JT Daniels out of Georgia. Um, you know, he's had two wins of SEC opponent, opponents. Um, he hasn't quite lived up to his stretch down the, down the straight last season, but he's averaging eight and a half, uh, eight yards per pass. Uh, completing them at 76%. So that's pretty interesting from that perspective, um, you know, and he'll be looking to continue uh, what he's doing there. Uh, then you look at the positions number 11 to 20, and I think we're going to have to save the top 10 of how long I'm going with this week's show. You'll have to save the top 10 for next week. Uh, the number, the, but this uh, first 30 that you're seeing in the top 40 uh, will help you out, uh, you know, as you watch any college football this week. But, uh, he has them at four and one. He's completed 62.7% of his throws, averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. Um, you know, and he's thrown nine touchdowns with zero interceptions through five games. Brennan Armstrong, Virginia, um, he's risen rhetorically into their top 20, um, 30 spots. Um, you know, he's completed 145 um, out of 224 passes for Virginia for 100, uh, sorry, for 1,973 yards. He's, an average, he's averaging 394.6 pass yards per game, 8.8 yards per attempt. He's thrown 14 TDs um, and has had three games of 400-plus yardage. You know, he's airing it out. 
Jaden Daniels at Arizona State, who I expect to continue to rocket up the boards, but uh, he hasn't been asked to do too much. He's connected on two long touchdowns. Um, he's got high career high potential, uh, sorry, career high completion percentages of 71.9% and yards per carry at uh, 7.0. Um, he's rounding into form as a, tr- as a true dual threat. Frank Harris out of UTSA. Um, he's got the Roadrunners at 5 and 0. He's completed 68.8% of his passes for 1,126 yards and six TDs. Um, and he's also chipped in with 130 yards on the ground. And he's only been sacked five times this season. Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, he is throwing for 200 yards, more, more than 200 yards for just one outing. He's run for 196 yards and two TDs. Um, you know, his play action passing might start to heat up um, as Oklahoma State continues to focus on the ground game. Uh, but that's something that you need to look for if he's going to continue uh, to stay where he is. Um, CJ Stroud has leveled out after a shaky start to his career at Ohio State. Um, and though he missed the first game against Akron, he's still thrown for 1,293 yards in four outings. Um, you know, against Rutgers in week five, he went 17 to 23 at 330 yards and five TDs to four wide receivers. Um, and he's coming into form. So watch him to continue rocketing up the, you know, the list of, you know, pre-draft rookie quarterbacks. Brock Purdy out of Iowa State, he's had a bit of a drop. He's clipped, been clipped a bit. Um, yes, he's got an accurate ball. Um, and, you know, he's one of the nation's best when he's under pressure, but he has taken a bit of a dip. Um, so he'll need to really respond. Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. Uh, he's averaging 428 yards per game, 16 TDs against two interceptions. Um, you know, and he's really leading a lot of a lot of different lists there. Um, you know, but he is in an air raid offense, so you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, Hank Backmeyer from Boise State. He's moved up 10 spots to number 12 on their list. Uh, despite a two and three record, he's been an absolute bright spot. Completed sixty four and a half percent of his passes, thrown for fifteen hundred and twenty yards and eleven TDs this year. He's kept Boise State in most games, um, and their three losses have only occurred by a combined eleven points. Uh, you know, so that's and his relationship with Khalil Shakir is one of the best quarterback wide receiver combinations in the country, according to this, um, you know, coverage. And then the final. The final number for this week, and we'll cover the top 10 next week, is Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. He's an accurate passer, um, but he hasn't taken the step this season. A lot of people come in and season their questions about his attitude. Uh, he's tossed two interceptions against Tulane. Um, you know, he's got 10 passing TDs, but half of those were against Western Carolina. He's completing 76% of his passes and averaging just 7.9 yards per attempt. Um, you know, He's not dominating a game. And, you know, I've heard it questioned by Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, you know, earlier a couple of weeks ago that you wonder what his X factor rating is. You wonder what is special about him. He's going to have to start doing some things or he's not going to be a player that's picked in the top 15 picks of this draft unless you're, you know, really picking on physical traits alone. And even then his arm is not the best arm, you know, or maybe even a top 10 arm in this quarterback class. But with that, that's Steelers Warren for this week. Go Steelers. Go Steelers.